Welcome to The Sober Effect, a show that looks at the positives of sobriety, the dangers of alcohol and the many people who are affected by it. I'm Kate. And I'm Steph. The ripple effect of alcohol is far-reaching, and those are the stories you'll hear on The Sober Effect. Hello and welcome to episode five of The Sober Effect. I can't believe we're already at five episodes, Steph. They are racing through. So this episode, we thought that we'd talk to Sam, who's a dad of two girls, and he's sober for around the same amount of time as us. He's he's done over a year, um, and he's very good at jumping in the North Sea. He does Dare to Dip, he started, which is great, which is not something I'll be doing but I'm a whim. We've spoken to a couple of women about being parents and we're both obviously women with kids Mm -hmm. who are sober, but we thought it would be a good idea to speak to a man about it and and to try and see if there were any differences and if so, what they were. I don't know what I was expecting, but I definitely was not expecting it to be so similar. Definitely. And it's funny, isn't it? Because the things that that push you to drink the shame and the guilt or the, the the wanting to escape, which I always used to use as my reason. And it's really sad because I was trying to escape myself. And that's, mm-hmm. that's, that is sad, isn't it? And Sam talks about the fact that he was separated. So he was sort of living on his own. And when his kids left at the end of a weekend, he was just on his own at home. And I think I would have found that incredibly difficult because you know, I drank when my kids were upstairs in bed mm-hmm. at home all the time. But I've had a few times when they've gone away with their dad and I've been left at home. And I remember being so excited that there was no one to monitor my drinking. I didn't have to worry about hiding the bottle in the bottom of the recycling or my husband sort of thinking, haven't you had enough? It was like, I can do whatever I want. And I genuinely used to think, even if I black out on the sofa, it doesn't matter. I'm I'm here on my own. I mean, I realize when I'm saying that how dangerous that is. But actually, when when you're on your own every week and you're also, it's very hard to say goodbye to your kids knowing you're not going to see them for three or four days and you are a heavy drinker, that that can become incredibly dark and incredibly dangerous, can't it? Yeah. And I, it's the same for me, like you used talking about when you'd have the house to yourself. There's, I would, I remember looking forward to having those evenings as well, like having the house to myself, like you said, drink as much as I want. And there's a little less shame in it, but there is like, there's the shame still. Cause you know, drinking, there's a part of you that's like, okay, well, drinking alone is a sign that there's a problem, but you, you romanticize it. You turn it into something that it's like, but I'm not really drinking alone. You know, I'm, I'm maybe going to call a friend. Like, I'm not going to just sit here and wallow in it. Um, And I'm going to watch a rom-com. No one ever wants to watch those with me. And yeah, I'll this cry. is a self-care. Yeah. I'll cry. No, you'll cry because you've drunk too much and you're drunk. And it, it's not good. It's not healthy. Mm-hmm. It's not romantic. And it's not cool, is it? It's just no. a massive mess that ends up with your brain being altered, your body being dehydrated, your emotions being flattened and pushed and squashed all over the place I mean it was just a nightmare and then you get your phone out don't you when you've had too much to drink and there's no one around and you're like oh let me send a text to them or oh you know and oh it's just an absolute nightmare waiting to happen I would call people and just 
talk to them while I'm drinking. And that was in my mind. That's how I would tell myself that I'm not drinking alone because I'm having a calm. Yeah. I would call my, my brother was a big one that I would call because God bless him. He'd sit there and let me talk to him for, I mean, literally would talk to him for three hours. I'm not even kidding you. I would have three hour conversations with Were him. Were you talking at him or with him? No, he he would interact because he-, he would drink on the other end because he lives alone. Yeah. He's actually, it's kind of funny, the whole Sam thing, because my, my brother is a single dad who gets his kid on the weekends. And um, so I think there was a little bit of yeah. I've never talked to my brother about that, but hearing Sam say that kind of makes me think about him. But yeah, he would he would be drinking his beers and I would be drinking my wine. And I think both of us thought that that meant we weren't drinking alone and we would just talk for hours. Yeah, that's not. No, that's not. I, I never phoned anyone because I would slur. I was really bad oh. at slurring, um, you know, and often when I'd had one or two glasses, I would slur and people would just know immediately. Um, so I never I was not a phone chatty person at all. I was a shut the curtains, lock the door, two bottles of wine, put a film on or two that I would, of course, never remember. So I could watch them again because I wouldn't have remembered I'd watched them, you know. Um, and it's, but there's something so sad about that, you know, it is. but I, I get it. You know, I get the fact that there's no one watching and, and you're alone. The house is too quiet and you just think, well, w- what is there to do? And you, you want to get away from the fact that, that there's, it's not just quiet. There's a lack of noise. There's a lack of people there and the sadness, and it must be awful. I've never, you know, I'm I'm still with my husband and I've not had to have that. But even when my kids go away for three or four nights, you miss them. And, and the thought of having to do that, I know people get used to it. And actually, a lot of my friends love the fact now that they have a couple of days off where they can do their own thing and it works perfectly and they get into the rhythm and, it, and it's fine. But, you know, I, I can imagine how hard it is. Um but yeah, the, the drinking alone thing. See, I drank alone from a young age, Steph. I mm. used to open a bottle. If I was at home studying for my A-levels, I would have a glass of wine while I was studying when I was 17. How did you no remember the- anything? Well, I didn't do very well at school. <laughs> not well, surprising, now we know why. <laughs> oh my gosh, not surprising. I mean, yeah, I would just. I, I, you know, my attention is awful anyway. So I think, you know, I'm constantly fiddling with things. And I think having a glass of wine, I was just constantly drinking it. And I say a glass, but it would turn into two. But yeah, yeah. I've I've always seen drinking as sophisticated mm-hmm. as I was growing up. And I didn't see anything wrong with it. It was very much, oh, in, in Europe, everyone drinks wine at night. You can tell yourself anything, can't you? Oh, yeah. But yeah, I never had that association with drinking alone is dangerous. It was just like, what's the difference between drinking alone or drinking at the pub? For me, there were no red flags. You know, obviously I was living under a huge red flag, but (laughs) I wrapped myself up in a red flag every night. What's that around you? It's my red flag. I take it every time I go out for a drink. (laughs) Oh dear. We got there in the end. And, you know, just to add to that, the kids going away when we used to send Adeline away for a week every summer because our families lived five hours away like but our all our families lived in the same area so we would like send her home for a week in the summer and they would pass her around and what did what did Blake and I do that whole week we would get blackout drunk 
like every night and use that as an excuse. Not that we, I mean, we would drink when she was home, but this was like next level, which I mean, the level we were already at was, was more than most people, but we would take it to the next level. And, you know, looking back at it now, it's probably because we did miss her. We, you know, you know, she's like the light of our life, but But also you don't have to get up in the morning. I mean, I I remember thinking, well, when I don't have to get up, it's like the old days when I didn't have kids and I could on the weekend sleep until 11, get up, have a shower, Mm -hmm. then go meet my friends. And it kind of made the hangovers much less extreme because you could just Mm -hmm. stay in bed, um, get up and get some toast or something. But, you know, all of it, it's, it's, it's abusive to yourself isn't it it's just yeah. why do we do it you get you get a, a week away from your kids and you just think right well, I'm just gonna drug myself and recover the whole time it doesn't it just doesn't add up when you look back mm-hmm. at it when you put it on paper and you explain what you're doing it wasn't a treat where was the treat in it Steph drinking no. to that extreme every night for five nights in a row I don't understand where I thought the joy was coming from not to mention the expense. Well, on that note, should we yes. meet Sam? Let's meet Sam. My lowest of lows was when I had my kids um, from Friday to Sunday. And when everything went from 100 miles an hour to naught is when I used to drink and, and take drugs. Uh, it's worse than I'd use that as a... As a um, well, it become a trigger to, to drink and take drugs even more, really. That was the lowest I've ever felt. And I was really depressed at one stage of my life was every Sunday um, after the kids had gone home because everything went from a million miles an hour to nothing and I couldn't handle it. It was horrible. And then I'd just drink myself into self-pity and look around at their little shoes on the floor and, and stuff and just completely make it a complete pity party for one and use it as an excuse and and just obliterate, get myself drunk into obliteration. And then that would set me off onto the road of the week again of just drinking throughout the whole week until I saw him again. And where I did um, binge drink through just just going through the week and getting smashed and trying not to drink in front of him, which I did do in the end as well, take him to the pub and stuff. But, um, I, yeah, I, I, I just go off on that cycle where I'd stop drinking on um, on the Friday, have them for the weekend and then get completely obliterated once they got picked up on the Sunday and that would just escalate into me drinking Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday again and and then I was having to get up and being riddled with anxiety and the fears and everything and go into work and whatnot and that was early stages before things escalated even further or to the point where I was hiding beers in hedges and having to go and have one on the on my break and stuff at work. So I've heard that a lot actually with parents, with with mothers and fathers actually. When the kids go, the empty nest is just unbearable. And as you said, yeah. the little the little shoes. And it's just so visually powerful that just the empty shoes sitting there with no one to put them on, a constant mm. reminder. Um, but the problem with that is that if you start drinking a lot your body then gets used to it. So even if you think, right, I'm ready to be fresh for the next three days, you can't just turn it on and off because your body's saying, give me some more of this stuff. I've drunk loads for the last three or four days. Of course, all the effects of those four days of heavy drinking hit you. So then you're not 
who you want to be for them, are you? Yeah, exactly. Talk anxiety too. I just want to add in that part of it because I had horrible anxiety as a drinker, as a binge drinker. And that's Mm. like the few days later, that's what you're dealing with too because your body is like giving you these, you know, these boosts of uh, adrenaline and all of that trying to get back to normal. And then you're trying to like control the anxiety. And so then you want to drink again because it's the only thing that'll control it. And it's just a mm. oh, it's a horrible cycle, to be honest. It, it is. And then, like you say, and then when I had the kids and I'm, even though I had a couple of days of not drinking, riddled with anxiety, which when that does is it robs your presence from your children. So even yes. when you've got them and you're not drinking, you think you're doing the right thing. You're, you're still not there and present with them because you've got so much fogginess going on up here. You know, so it takes your time, steals your time away from them as well. And and then, and it breaks my heart to say this, and I'm very conscious that my kids might, but I'm very honest with my kids. But when it comes to Sunday as well, even though I knew it was going to be a pity party of one, I had one eye on the clock because I was thinking, oh, I need a beer, you know, and that's precious time you've got with your children. And, and that kills me. And that is why, essentially, I have to stop beating myself up for that today because in the end, I've done the right thing and I packed it all in and I tried to stop so many times for my kids but that's where addiction set, took me it made me very selfish the only thing I was living for at the time was my children but at the same time the time I was spending with them that was so precious to me was being tampered with because I was either riddled with anxiety and fear or having one eye on the clock because I just wanted to get a beard out of my neck and that's it's very sad looking back at it but that's just my truth and unfortunately that's the way it was with me you know and I, th- I think it's, imp- I mean, I've said before that I used to not read bedtime stories to my children because I wanted to go downstairs and sit on the sofa and drink wine. And that mm. is exactly the same. It's such a difficult thing to admit. But when mm. I have admitted it in the past, people have said, I'm so glad you said that because I used to do that. And it was mm. the shame and the guilt that I would choose to sit and drink wine while my kids would love to- for me to be reading them a story. That's what alcohol does to you. And and as you said, you know, my kids are now really proud of me and I've shown them that you can give something up that is harmful for you. And that is a much more powerful lesson. Yeah. So it, it has balanced out in my head. I don't feel that guilt anymore. And and I'm and I will speak about it just like you because mm. it's important for other people to really consider that. Exactly. You just made me well up then because you just reminded me and, and, and took me back. There was a time when I'd be drinking, but not to the point where I was getting smashed, but still shouldn't be drinking anyway when you're looking after your kids. And I remember trying to read my children a story and my <laughs> my youngest um took took the book off me and read it back to me and that's how bad I got at one point you know and that, that breaks my heart to admit that but it's just where it was at the time and my daughter had to read a book back to me and that these 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 things the stuff we beat ourselves up for but it is a learning curve like you say to others that are in that situation because you're not a bad person if you if you've got an addiction no one asked to be that but it is it is serious as well. And if you're trying to do something about it, and we, I was trying so hard to be a good dad, I was just incapable of it while I was under the influence. And, and I was trying so hard to stop, but I just couldn't at that particular time. I didn't have the strength in me to do so, you know. So you made me cry. It's good to remember how far we've come, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think that's why this, these are so important 
these podcasts, that, that story then, you just brought something back to me. And I, I'm only at a stage of me recovery now where I'm still learning about things and, and actually recognising and, and putting my old bad doings to bed. And this is a form of therapy to me, you know, like speaking about it, recognising what I was like is very important because and to see how far I've come is also important, like it is for, for you guys, you know. like I've done a lot of bad things in my past that I'm not happy about, but I'm I'm owning up to them now and I'm telling other people about it to try and prevent them doing it and prevent other people from from making the same mistakes that I've I've done, you know? Yeah. What what is your relationship like now with your girls? And you said you're very open with them. Like what kind of conversations have you guys had around your addiction and then now your sobriety? Well, I just went and picked an 80-month chip up at uh, a meeting that I go to, and my daughter's come with me to, to it. I love <laughs> my it. Daughter, <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. My, yes. when, they, when they said, is anyone 10 years sober, my daughter put her hand up. She wanted a chip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love but, it. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm very honest and open with them, and 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 I'm I'm an I'm an addict, you know. I'm 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 not drinking, and I'm in recovery, which is a blessing. But I've still got them traits, and I'm still irritable, and I'm still restless sometimes, and I can be a bit snappy. But with, with not drinking, what that does is make me recognise my own behaviours. And if I am being a bit irritable and I am being a bit snappy, I can make it right straight away now, instead of before. Where I'm, where I might have been irritable and not been working on myself, I might have snapped at them, told them to go away and do their own thing just for being kids, you know. Now, if I say stop, I'm still a human, you know. I still tell them off, and sometimes now I can sit back and I can, I can think: Have I told them off here for a good reason, or is it because Daddy's pissed off, you know? And and if it's because they need telling off, I can accept that. But if it's because I've been a bit snappy, I can go out to them and make it right straight away and say, look. I'm, I'm dealing with some stuff and 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 I've took it out on you and I shouldn't have done. Do you know what I mean? So being in recovery, I thought it was just going to help me stop drinking and taking drugs, and it's it's done much more than that. It's made me a better dad. It's made me a better son. It's made me a better brother. It's made me a better friend. Oh my god, yeah, I've done that. I've actually have started doing that with my daughter. Yeah. Going in like when I know I'm being irrational. When I was a drinker, or hungover, there was no way I would ever apologize. But mm. I have several times gone back to her and been like, you know what? You really weren't in the wrong. Like, I didn't sleep mm. good last night, whatever it was. And I own up to it. And But that's a, it's so huge to teach them that, right? Like, we want to teach them to be better people and to own up to their mistakes. That's half the reason we were drinking so much, because we never wanted yeah. to own up to our mistakes. We never wanted to admit that we you know, carried things that were wrong. We just held them in and drank and drank until we thought they were going away. And to just be able to show them it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to say you're sorry. It's Mm. huge. Absolutely. And it's an important lesson for them as well, because how can we teach them to do the right things if we're not? And I think by us admitting we're wrong when we are, teaches them to do the same. And, And you kids are going to make mistakes. So I like to let my children make their mistakes and 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 not prevent it. And my daughter's just gone to high school and she has a little crowd that she hangs around with and girls will be girls and they fall out. But I let them make their mistakes and I'm there to offer them advice. And um, they're, they're just the same as what we've done. You, we're learning a lot from growing from our mistakes. They'll do the same. But if we lead by example, like I say, and, and admit when we've been in the wrong, then they'll, they'll probably do the same thing with, with their friends and, and loved ones as well. 
Well, I'm never in the wrong, so I don't know what you're talking about. It must be lovely. <laughs> and when it when it happens, I will embrace it. <laughs> but it's um it's funny though. I mean, children are so much more aware, and, and I think even four-year-olds, five-year-olds, they're aware when their parents are being funny and it's it's when they're drinking. And I've had these conversations. Steph and I have both spoken about this and we're very honest with our kids. And Steph's actually interviewed her daughter on her own podcast. Oh, wow. A very brave thing to do. And, you know, yeah. highly recommend it. Highly recommend yeah, it. Maybe not wonderful. not Sam's kids are maybe a bit young, but yeah. for an interview. <laughs> but, it's um, you know, I've spoken to them and, and just sort of said, you know, what was it like? How am I different? Are you happier? And and it's a really hard thing to ask your kids, but actually they really appreciated me asking them and listening to them. And of course they said, you know, we're so much happier and you're, you're happier and you've got more energy and you get angry less and you're less tired and all these things. And it's funny in the, in the sober community, people always talk about their childhoods and a lot of us had parents who drank and then here we are doing the same thing and it's not factoring in we're doing exactly the same we're creating this household where there's alcohol everywhere and our mm. kids are watching us why do we think it's going to be any different so to break absolutely. it is huge mm, absolutely and you're right and that and that is a big part of the reason people always say you you, you have to give up drinking for yourself and no one else and and I disagree with that to an extent. Eventually, you have to do it on your own. But when I first give up, I've done it for my children because I didn't like myself very much, hence the reason I was drinking. And I needed to give up for my children because I started looking at the drinking culture in this country and it scared the life out of me that we just fill our teenagers up with toxins, shove them in a nightclub and wonder why there's so much carnage going on in the streets, you know. And I was thinking, my kids are going to get older soon. It's already happening they're getting a, a lot older be, without me even realizing it they're going to be wanting to go out soon how can i guide them in a way of being safe and everything if i'm binge drinking and, and towards the end i was just full on in addiction i can't warn them against it if i'm doing it myself so i got myself sober for my children i'm now sober for them and for myself but when people say you you can't get sober for anyone else i don't agree with that I, I I did. I got sober for my kids, and I stayed sober for me. Yeah, yeah that that resonates with me because I did get sober to to feel better, but because I needed to, like you were saying, I wanted to set a better example for my daughter because I had mm. that exact fear. She's in high school this year, and I had that exact fear of, okay, I started drinking at fourteen. Mm. She's gonna be fourteen. I don't want this life for me. And I definitely don't want this for her. I can control myself, but what if, mm. what if she becomes an addict and then now I'm a parent of an addict and that's heartbreaking. And I have to, you know, go through all of that. That fear was real. That fear is one of the things that made me mm. realize I have got to set an example. I can't just hope that she's not going to be a drinker while I'm still being a drinker. Like that's, that's just yeah. not gonna work and, and it's, it's so it's so important that you're doing the work you're doing on yourself and you Kate and me we're doing the work on ourselves now because the reasons we drunk for years was because we had our own internal fears but now we've got children that ain't nothing compared to the fears we've got no. for them do you know what I mean so it's so important that we probably went through the road we did and strengthened our minds because god knows where I'd be with two 
two young daughters now got one in high school and one on their way next year. It's just like you blink and you miss it, don't you? <laughs> but yeah, so thank God we're all at a place where we are now. I don't want to just talk about the doom and gloom and the effects of, of alcohol. We also want to talk about the effects of sobriety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think it's really important, especially for people who are thinking, I know I've got to change. I know I've got to change, but I love wine or I love my beer. And is it really going to be easy when you start to understand the huge benefits? And I had no idea how many there were. I really didn't. I just thought, well, I just won't drink in the evening and I'll be bored. But that's pretty much I might look a bit better. It has changed everything. It's changed literally every single aspect of my life and who I am, how I feel about mm. myself. But it also, you know, sobriety has affected my kids as well. And and obviously I'm someone's child as well. So the way my parents look at me, they respect me. My parents both drink still. And they've mm. said, we cannot believe you've done this. It's incredible, you know. Mm. And I think the effect it has on the whole family, I'd love to quickly just talk about the effects that sobriety has on different generations and and the way that when you become sober it really does shine you're you mm. start to shine and you give off this energy that is contagious and people are like i want some of that yeah well it's it's this it's a ripple effect the same as when you're when you're drinking and taking drugs you you create a massive wave in your family and friends of negativity and dark doom and gloom but when you get sober it's like you completely switch it and you shine a light on them all and you inspire other people around you to do different stuff. But there's people, of friends of mine that are now in recovery and stuff and, and just seeing them get better. And and it, it, it your body heals quickly, but it heals, I put in a post the other day, it's, not, it's your mental health heals as well and it heals your soul and that as well. And it doesn't take long for the turnaround and that as well. You notice if if someone's just started in recovery, they're pale and they're, they're their whole body posture slumped and down in the guts. They've been beaten up by life, haven't they? But within a couple of weeks of sobriety, you've got to get past that first little rocky storm. And when, once the once the clear skies come in, it don't take long. A couple of weeks and you start seeing colour back in people's cheeks and you start seeing the life come back into their eyes. You can see it in their eyes like, with someone who's in sobriety. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's always the eyes. That's like yeah. the first thing I notice in people. Yeah. When they're sober, is just it's like life came back. Their soul is like yeah. there. You start appreciating the little things again, don't you? Like I, I just I, I was talking to my daughters the other day, and I just said that like when we we've lived in the same town my whole life, and it's only in the last eighteen months that I've realised how lucky we are and how beautiful the place is in my hometown. Do you know what I mean? And it's because you're walking around in in addictive in the addiction with your head down looking at the floor and and when you get into sobriety you, you actually look up for the first time you know and you actually see and you and you develop an attitude of gratitude and your life becomes a lot better it, it's like great white shark eyes when you're drinking mine were just you could tell you just looked at me and there was just this greyness mm. to them and it, once you stop, it's like you can, everything just becomes clearer and you're interested in more and you look mm. around more. And and our children see that in us. They see mm. us smiling more. They see us not getting as negative or as angry. And my, you know, 
and just getting up earlier and being more positive, being able to drive places because yeah. come drinking. I mean, even that is a huge thing. And your kids are about the same age as mine. You know, they want to go see their friends. They want to go to the cinema at 7 p.m. because mm. they're, you know, they're suddenly allowed to get into a 12 on their own. And, and I wouldn't yeah. normally have been able to pick them up, but I can now. So mm. everything, it's like they're doing more with their lives. They're you're, there, you're there for them physically, but you're there for them mentally as well. And like we were saying before, it gives you that presence back. You know, when I was drinking and taking drugs, my body was with them, but my mind was 10 miles away. You know what I mean? And in three different places. But now with the, with the gift of sobriety, I'm there and I'm present. And I'm in the moment with them. And I could be there not just for them picking them up and stuff, but be there for them mentally, physically and mentally. And it's a beautiful thing. I love what he just said. You know, this conversation around inspiring our kids with our sobriety. I mean, he even talks about taking his girls to meetings when he gets his chips, which is just adorable. I think that was just, I loved that little story about his daughter raising her hand and being like, (laughs) I'm 10 years sober. Brilliant. I love that. But I, that's the thing, like having involvement, like involving them, because I think some people are worried, like, how much do I tell my kid about my sobriety or how much do I want to tell them? Because if they were really little, when you were in the throes of your addiction, you know, they may not have recognized it. So it's like, how much do I want to tell them? Do I want to like, let them know? And I'm very open. Um, Adeline, no, but she's older too. I mean, she was 13 when I got sober. And so she, she knew what was going on. She's not dumb. Well, I'm the same and I've got the same, you know, my son is is 14 in a few weeks. So he was 13 and my daughter's a year younger than him. And I have to be open. I cannot hold my tongue. I cannot, I need to let stuff out and I Me need too. to tell it like it is. And I think all of that benefits kids. I know not everyone agrees with that, but I had to explain why I was doing it. I had to explain why it was such a big thing for me. And I, in a way, I think because I'd spent all of their childhood drinking and they were so used to seeing me with a glass of wine in my hand and, you know, at parties, drinking with friends, seeing me drunk, seeing me asleep on the sofa, whatever, I needed them to also recognize I need to do something big in reverse. I wanted to do something impactful. I needed to say to them, drinking is not good for you. I worked that out and I stopped and it's a big deal, but you can do it and it's exciting. And that's the message I needed to get across to them. So I spoke about it. You know, they would write me notes every time I got another month sober. They'd go around telling their friends, oh, my mum doesn't drink, she's sober. And, and they're like, what? I don't understand. But they were, they were, they still are really proud of me. And it's, I think it's, it's important. Now, how much do you talk about it? I mean, you've interviewed your daughter and that's a brave thing to do. And I have spoken to my kids about what I was like and they felt really uncomfortable telling me. And I said, it's fine. Say whatever you want. It's really important that we talk about it. And they said, you know, we didn't like it. You used to argue with dad a lot. Um, I didn't like it when your eyes weren't funny and you didn't speak properly. And, you know, I remember once you fell into the curb um, and it it always got to a point where all the grown-ups stopped being fun and they started getting really loud and no one really knew what was going on and we were allowed to do what we wanted but actually I just wanted to go home at that point and you know it, it hit home it hit me hard hearing that 
But I think I knew that all along. Mm -hmm. And I was just saying to myself, the kids love it when we're out in the pub and doing all this stuff because they get freedom. I knew underneath that my kids want to know that their parents are safe and that they'll be taken home safely. And actually it was fun for a bit, but it then got to a point every time when it wasn't. And I think it's important to admit that. Yeah. And even like with, with Sam, because he felt like, okay, I hold out when I don't have my kids and then I drink after they're gone. But as he said, it progressed into he was drinking right before he would have them on a weekend. And so then he said he still wasn't present. He may not have been, you know, drunk, but he's trying to recover and he's got anxiety from trying to recover. And he would say, you know, I'm I'm not present with my children. They feel that, too. I, I just interviewed Addie again um, yesterday. And one of the things she told me is she talked about not just me drinking like this time around, we were kind of talking about the lasting effects of the, of the hangover and how it affected my mood and how she's noticed I'm not crabby all the time. And she goes, and if you are in a bad mood, which we all, and she's like, which I'm not expecting you to never be in a bad mood because we always will have bad days. She's like, I can get you out of your bad mood quicker. Or before I would try to get you out of your bad mood and I just couldn't do it. So these little things, they, they take that in and they, they take it personal. Like she said, she feels like she, she feels more apt to be able to come to me with things now that I'm sober than ever before. She said she used to actually be scared to come talk to me because my mood was so yeah. low that she just wouldn't even bother. And she says, now I just feel like I can come to you for anything I want. That feels so good to know that yeah. your kids actually trust you with things. And she's like, I tell you everything. There's nothing you don't know about me. And it's yeah. just like, oh, that's what you want, you know, as a parent. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's it's lovely. And it's also what you don't give them. I mean, I think when Sam said that he was looking forward to the drink and looking at the clock, like, when are they going to mm -hmm. be picked up? Because I want a drink. You know, that's when it really becomes quite dark. And that's, you know, I spoke about bedtimes and, and not not doing stories. That's that's a dark turning point in your drinking habits, I think, when you start to choose alcohol over time with people that you love yep. and you know you're doing it. That's that's quite a kind of a nail in the coffin, as it were, in your in your mind, because you're really thinking, I, I know I'm making this decision. I'm choosing wine over that. And then you still do it. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think a lot of the shame and regret in the morning used to come from for me yeah is that I would think I did that again um mm. why am I doing this you know mm. this this stuff is not important to me I hate it why am I doing it every night why does it get to this time every night where I choose wine and I'm choosing it in a way over my kids when they are the most important thing in my life um but that's why talking is important and it's you know so I know so I've followed Sam for ages on Instagram because he set up this whole dare to dip thing where he, he jumps in the North Sea and I, and I follow him because I have no intention of doing it. So I right. like to see other people doing it. It makes me feel involved. But he started to put together some events where people are meeting and there he's got some speakers coming along and you can sort of go and hear other people's stories. So he's starting to create a big community around all of this. He talks about it a lot. He talks about it with other people. He talks with friends. And how much do you talk to your friends about your sobriety? Because there's a fine line between 
sounding like you're lecturing them, but also telling them how happy you are. And, and if they're your friends, you should be able to be honest. But do you struggle with that? Oh, big time struggle with that, especially because the majority of my friends are still drinkers. Um, as you know, my friend Yvonne, who we had on for the first episode, she's probably the one person that I can go on and on and on about it because she's a moderate drinker. So she doesn't take it in as I'm lecturing her about her own drinking because she's not a big drinker. And I think that's where the difference is, because if it's a friend who doesn't have a problem with alcohol, they are more opt to celebrate with you. And because it doesn't hold a mirror to them. It's the friends that were drinking the same as you and carrying on that usually don't want to hear it, that feel attacked even though that's yeah. not what you're doing. I mean, for me, it's never been what I was trying to do was attack them. If anything, I'm trying to inspire them. But if yeah. they're not ready to receive that message, then you got to like reel it in. Do you know what happened this morning? I saw a post on Instagram. It's just been St. Patrick's Day at the time of recording this. And I liked it. And then I realized there was more than one. It was like a carousel. And oh. all of the other photos were her drinking. And I unliked it and then I liked it again and then I unliked it again. And I thought, I don't know what to do here because I want to like it. She's having fun. She's gone to Dublin. But then I felt really like I don't want to endorse a massive Mm -hmm. piss up and Mm -hmm. I I don't feel comfortable and I didn't know what to do. And there's me sitting there, heart on, heart off. What am I doing? Shall I say something? Don't want to react. I wish I'd never pressed it. And it, it was really confusing and it's that, that really symbolized how I feel. I I just do sometimes feel almost like I don't quite know what mm-hmm. to say because I don't want to offend. I would never tell anyone to not drink, but I have changed and it's a really important part of my life. You know, people used to associate wine with me, so they can associate sobriety with me and they can hear me talk about that too. If they were willing to let me make a fool of myself, buy loads of rounds and drink loads, then they should be willing to let me talk about it. But it's hard for some reason. I feel a bit like I've got to test the waters. and That in itself is uncomfortable. It shouldn't be like that. I know, I know. But I think it's too just like for me personally, how I have to be comfortable to talk about it to someone. And if if I'm not, I just don't go there. And I'm okay with that. Like there's just like even being around other parents, in certain situations that are drinking and bringing, bringing up drinking or whatever. I just like avoid it because that's just what I'm comfortable with doing. Isn't it weird though, that we're not doing something and we feel awkward about it. There's Mm -hmm. nothing else in life where when you don't do it, you feel uncomfortable saying, you know, Oh, I really, you know, Oh, I don't, I don't like lemonade or, you know, and and actually alcohol is so dangerous. We now know it causes loads of cancers. It it causes the death of 3 million people a year. So not doing it should be something we should be singing from the rooftops, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but we feel uncomfortable saying we don't do it. I know that's something that hit me very early on in sobriety. Like this is the only drug you have to justify not taking, but it still shocks me that that's the way it is. It's just wrong, isn't it? And it's that Mm -hmm. just sort of highlights how difficult it is to get sober, because even if you want to, it's not the norm. The norm is to drink and to Mm -hmm. accept a drink. And a lot of people find it uncomfortable if you don't. But all we can do is be honest. And actually, quite frankly, Steph, I think you just have to look at us and look at us two years ago 
our faces were puffy. We looked like little yeah. chipmunks, didn't we? Yeah. You look back and it's like, oh my gosh, look at us. Um, we look so much better. Yeah. We're focused. Our eyes are clear. We are happier. The smiles are genuine. They're not kind of like one eye shut, holding this one over, right. trying to focus. I find people staring at me sometimes when I'm in the pub, when I'm not drinking, and they're they're sussing me out or they're checking me over, not not in a kind of like, oh, look at her, but in she's still not drinking. And actually, she looks better. And how is she managing it? And is she actually talking to people or just standing there because it's boring? And it, you can see people, again, acquaintances, trying to work it out. And mm-hmm. it's normally the people who are curious, who are sober curious, who are doing that. Yeah, and those are the people that are ready to maybe have a conversation with you about it, you know, and that's kind of where I'm at. I have a lot of drinkers in my life. And at the beginning, I talked about it a lot because, yeah, it was exciting. It was new. And now I've kind of just, all right, I'll let them come to me. And sometimes they do bring things up and they ask questions. And that's when I will fill them in. But I don't make, I'm not the one who starts that side of the conversation for sure. Um, And then there's also people that I think just totally avoid me now because they don't. You don't want to get pissed with them. Yeah. And they don't want to talk about anything but drinking. And you know what? In a way, that's a form of respecting me. Like, they don't want to force it on me any more than I want to force sobriety. And it's like, we agree to disagree. And yeah. and that's that. And it's hard. It's hard because you care about these people. And that's always been my biggest thing is like, I really, truly care about them. And I know now what alcohol is doing to them. But there's, you can't help someone that doesn't want to be helped. Do you think you really know people, though, when you only know them in a drinking capacity? No. Because this is a question that... I've really asked myself a lot because we've all had friends. I mean, I've had relationships that short relationships, but relationships that were that makes me sound like trashy, doesn't it? You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, where they definitely been based on drinking. And mm. I probably never spent a day or an evening without drinking with that person. And actually, when you're always under the influence, can you ever really get to know someone? Right. You know, maybe that's why relationships change so much Mm -hmm. when one person stops drinking because it's a whole new you all right we should wrap this up now though yes we're going to chat on for way too long right i will see you soon cheers steph bye kate thank you for listening we really hope you enjoyed the show remember we're just two women from opposite sides of the pond wanting to bring awareness around the negative effects of alcohol we are not licensed therapists or doctors If alcohol is causing any mental or physical health issues, please seek professional help. Please be sure to give us a follow so you don't miss future episodes. If you think our podcast could help someone you know, please be sure to share it. Also, leaving a five-star review will help The Sober Effect reach more people like you. The music for this show was produced and recorded by Pearl and Thumbelina Jim of the wonderful Charm Jar Music. More information can be found in our show notes.